0: Hi, my name is Brian McGrath. I'm the vice president of external relations here at EdChoice. I'm sitting here with Robert Enlow, our president and CEO. And we're going to talk a little bit about today about what happened in 2018 at EdChoice and through the school choice movement uh, as a whole, and also look ahead into 2019 and see what uh, is on the horizon for both EdChoice and the movement. So uh, let's get right to it, Robert. Robert, you've been president and CEO for the last 10 years of EdChoice. You've been with the, this organization, which used to be known as the Milton and Rose Friedman Foundation since 1996. Uh, you've seen it all, you've been through the highs of school choice, you've been through the lows and the disappointments of school choice. Um, you know as much about this issue as anybody. What happened in 2018, either with the organization or with the movement that you thought was particularly impactful?
1: Thanks, Brian. And and I want to make sure we thank all of our donors, because yes. none of the things that we could ever do would happen without them. Absolutely. Um, and you're right, I guess, to, to to put a modern colloquial idea on it. I've been there, done that, and we've been in this movement for a long time. But 2018 was unique, and unique in a couple ways. Uh, in an environment when everyone says, oh, it's really toxic for school choice, oh, it's not going to go forward, it's not going to get going to the next level, it actually did go to the next level, and I think Ed Choice was at the forefront of that. Let's take a look at some of the things we did um, with our research. Um, so we have a, a ton of research we put out. The donors see it all the time. But I don't know if they know that our research was used by the United States Department of Education on all five of their publications related to choice this mm-hmm. year. They called us every time and they said, we need your information, we want your data or that most of the states that passed school choice used our fiscal research for, for their bills so that we could show them that school choice actually saved their state money. So really proud of our research. I'm super proud of our, of our, our training and outreach as well. So in a time when everyone again says it wasn't uh, a positive thing, school choice, is not going the right direction, we had more requests than ever for, for our training. And not just requests from people who are the normal supporters of school choice, but from a very diverse group of people. So we've trained people at the 100 Black Men of America, at the United Negro College Fund, at the Urban League of, of Indiana and other states. So our trainings were off the charts this year. Over 50,000 people were uh, uh, experienced some of our training. We trained over 1,000 state legislators in the last few years. And when they get trained by us, they say they're better equipped. They say they're way better understanding of the issue, way better equipped to promote the issue. And then lastly, I think what's really interesting is like, We've targeted states and we've gone in deep, right? Instead of just going a mile wide, we're going a mile deep. And one of the things that's happening as a result of that is a place like Arizona, fully 21% of the kids in Arizona are attending schools that they weren't assigned. Whether that's a charter school, a home school, a private school, a tax credit scholarship program school, whatever the case. In Indiana, that's going from from 5% to 20% in the last eight years. So. It's tremendous growth in families who are accessing choice more than ever. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a lot
0: of the services we do. We do a lot of training, we do a lot of research, we do policy support. Um, as I mentioned, you've been here a long time. Where, how's the organization changed? Where's been the biggest growth area of our program work over the last couple of years? And you can, particularly in 2018, but even over the last four or five years, let's say, where have you seen the organization grow the most? Mm-hmm.
1: So I think where we're growing the most right now is is just the demand for our training services it's it's impossible to keep up with it right we keep adding people we keep growing that's because states across the country are saying we'd love to have parent training we added that we'd love to have legislator training we added that on a different format we'd love to do training of private school leaders we're adding that right so all of these areas we're adding to help people understand and advocate for the, for the issue of school choice. So our training programs are doing really, really well.
0: So EdChoice and our predecessor organization, the Freeman Foundation, has always talked about universal school choice. Mm-hmm. Can you first explain what that means in both sort of the original intent of Milton and Rose Freeman, but also you know, how that translates to today? Sure. Um, and then talk a little bit about what's the biggest impediment to that? What can EdChoice as an organization do yep. to help us get there? What do we have to overcome? Um, what can all of our, our partner organizations and supporters do to, yep. to make that real?
1: You know, when you look at ed choice or school choice or how people choose education in America, right now, there are really a small number of ways to do it, right? So you can move, right? And if you have the money to move, you can buy private education. Uh, You can get your kid into a lottery for church school. That's always a good hope, right? Um, You can lie about your address. There are a lot of people who lie about your address. Or you know someone, so you pick up the phone and you make a call and say, hey, can you get me into this school? That's the way American education has gone for a long, long time. What universal education is and universal school choice is is every dollar that is set aside for a kid follows that kid to whatever school setting works best for them, whether that is a public school, private school, charter school, online school, at home, or a thousand different ways we haven't thought of. I think that's one of the interesting things that's happening right now. Universal school choice is beginning to develop micro-schooling, so people like doing co-ops and getting together with, with a themselves and their fam- four or five families and saying, we're going to educate our just our neighborhood, right? It's just a really cool setting that's happening. So universal choice, in Milton's concept, was that every dollar follows every kid's, or at least a portion of every dollar follows right. every kid's. And we're getting there, right? And What's interesting is we're getting, and not only are we getting there, the support for that idea is growing, right? So for the first time in the last 10 years, uh, the idea of universal choice is, is almost at 70%. It's increasing its public support. Other forms of choice are decreasing, but ours, uh, the idea of universal choice is increasing. So I think what we're finally getting to in America is this idea that customization and personalization Mm -hmm. is going to be the standard, and it's not going to be this sort of homogenous public schooling that we're used to.
0: Right. So what's getting in the way of that now? I mean, I think you're right. I've seen a lot of growth in my 20-odd years of this movement as well, but
1: um, what's still,
0: what's the roadblock? What's the biggest impediment?
1: um... Yeah, no, so that's a great question. Uh, the biggest impediment to school choice, there are so many of them in some way. Um, one of them is just helping people understand who've gone through the system that it's just not the same as it was, right? It's not the same as it was when I went to school, right? And I'm, I'm an old guy now, so I went to school in the 70s, right? Even people went to school in the 50s and 60s. Look, education is just different. It's delivered different, it's, 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 the needs are different, the curriculum is different. You know, kids like my son learn from YouTube far more than they learn in the classroom mm-hmm. half the time, as I'm sure you know. Yep, I've seen that too. So, so I think it's helping people understand that they don't need to be afraid if it's not their district-run school or if it's a traditional school they're assigned to. That there's actually positives to being having choice, and so I think one impediment is helping people understand that this idea of school choice is not a is not something to be afraid of, um, and I think that's happening more and more. Two, obviously, you have the people who are who were hired and running the system. I mean, look, the administrators are there, and that's the way life is, right? When when you look at America, one of our studies that's gotten all sorts of play this last year uh, and the last few years has been the one that showed that since 1950, there were a 100% increase in the number of students in America, but a 709% increase in the number of administrators. So that tells me we have a... a, to use a Milton term, we have a calcified and ossified system right, <laughs> yeah. that is, we've got a breakthrough and So, look, and our donors know this and our people who support us know this. And we know that they are up against this idea of public education. Um, and that's the thing public education, it's publicly funded government run schools or state and district run right. schools. And they're up against this sort of cultural identification with that history. And so I think we're really changing that and I think that's, that is already changing and that's happening because of parents like yourselves and myself and all the people we talk to they are saying it's time to personalize this stuff. So it really is getting people to break into a new way of thinking, the positives of a new way of thinking, where families can f- get in where they fit in.
0: Yeah. And I've always thought you know Milton and Rose had the right idea when they started their legacy organization, which was they wanted to educate the public about school choice. They yeah. weren't out there to um, necessarily do political work or, or even... Um, even always drive the policy. They wanted the public to understand the benefits of school choice. I remember that very clearly from the beginning. Yeah, for
1: them, it wasn't passing laws right. necessarily, although we've been very successful in seeing laws pass for school choice. Like last year, Puerto Rico became the first you know, uh, non-territory or non-state to pass school choice. Huge uh, advancement. And we ha- had a huge part in that in right. Puerto Rico. They, they turned to our data and they turned to our, our policy support a lot. But that wasn't ultimately Milton Fraser's goal. It was to actually educate the public. And that's because... You know, I'll never forget my favorite Milton quote. We talk about this all the time. Yeah. "Is Only a crisis, actual or perceived, produces real change. And then it, if people don't realize what the next part of that is, and, and that goes something like this, the change that occurs depends on the ideas that are lying around at the time. And he said that's our basic function, to produce alternatives and ideas uh, so that they're lying around at the time of crisis. Right. And that's what we've got right now. You know, in some ways in our country we have a time of, of crisis about how we're gonna deal with education as we're greater achievement gaps, as people who are poor aren't uh, advancing as much as they could, uh, as fast as they should or as, as much as they could. Or when you look at it, look, white children who are in the fourth grade and eighth grade, less than 50% of them read on grade level. Right. This is a real problem in our country, right? And so, you know, we have this growing gap and I think we're at a time where universal choices is, is the right way to go. And we're seeing that. I think that's the most exciting thing for going forward. We're seeing more and more support for the idea of universal choice. It's no longer just saying, oh, let's do a little limited choice program. Right. Let's have it for these kids or those kids or, or kids with you know uh, other, other kind of ideas. It's just basically it's, it's for all types of kids now because that's what happens in public schools and that's what happens in charter schools. We don't mean test charter schools. We don't mean test public schools except in the house price. Right. right. So I think going forward, this universal choice is, is really getting a much more steam and much more bipartisan okay. support.
0: One of the other um, uh, roadblocks or, or impediments that has been there forever, but it seems like more and more, is, uh, is the legal side. Mm-hmm. And we actually launched uh, a new center to, to try to play a role in, right. in winning the legal battles around school choice. Why don't you talk about LDEC a little bit? <laughs> so, yeah, we, it's, our, our nickname
1: is LDEC. Right. It's the Legal Defense and Education Center. And in partnership with our groups around the country, we, we formed this center because we needed to do a lot more legal education of policymakers. Uh, help them understand that the decisions they're making have legal ramifications. Two, we wanted to make sure that we were there to provide amicus briefs and support. So our amicus brief was was uh, uh, quoted and used at the United States Supreme Court with Janice. and so it was and the one was very clear that our amicus brief in the Puerto Rico case was read by the justices. Right. It's very clear, and so we needed to provide sort of legal support uh, and legal advice and legal assistance uh, and legal education, and it's it's growing. Um, we now uh, have a legal review of every single school choice bill that's out there. It's, it's, uh, we're also involved in the Montana case, which is about uh, religious freedom and school choice. And so we are, uh, in less than a year, really growing on the scene with this, our legal defense center, and I can only see it growing more.
0: Yeah. Great. Uh, well, one more thing to wrap up is, um, you know, it's bold prediction time. What do you see happening? We're a couple months into 2019 already. A lot of legislatures are wrapping up. There's some movement policy-wise. But what do you see happening the rest of this year, maybe beginning next, that that, uh, people who are interested in this issue should be watching out for?
1: Uh, The Colts are going to win the Super Bowl. No, no, they they won't. Um, (laughs) What I think is going to happen, actually before the Colts probably win the Super Bowl, um, (laughs) is I think you're going to get to see a universal choice state. I mean, we saw that in Nevada uh, a few years ago. It's not funded. And you're going to see it because our work, and again, thanks to our donors for this, but our work to build local coalitions has been just stronger than ever. So Nevada had no local coalition and we've come alongside and built a, a, a called the Nevada Action for School Choice. Tremendous organization, the same thing in South Carolina. So I think what you're gonna see is you're gonna see a state fall to universal choice mm-hmm. sooner, uh, sooner rather than later. Okay. Um, also I think you're gonna see the idea of school choice being reimagined, right? It's really this idea of personalization is going to link up with this idea of choice. And it's really going to be, a, a, the way forward is going to be, about why would we ever talk about not giving kids what, right. what works best for them? Why would we ever say that they can't customize regardless of what setting you're in? And I think that's that shift away from, it's got to be private school choice or charter school choice or public school choice. Right. And basically to the point where we're saying, look, it's about creating a system that works for kids regardless of what, what that is. And whether that's even a system outside of, of our traditional idea of school choice, whether that's uh, building up an entirely new system or, right. or or supporting homeschooling, I think you're just going to see a lot more togetherness on this idea of personalization.
0: Yeah. One of our, I know this other Friedman quote that you and I have talked about many times is, you know, at some point the politically impossible becomes the politically inevitable, that's right, and it seems like we're kind of heading in that direction. So, that's right. Uh, um, well, great. Well, thanks for sharing all those thoughts with us, Robert. Uh, On behalf of Robert and the entire EdChoice team, thank you to all of our supporters for uh, letting us do the work we do. And please check out edchoice.org if you want to find out more about our programs or how you can continue to help us. Thanks.